We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. The 3-2 pitch from Cody Allen. Here it is. Low check swing, strike three, and the ball game is over. The ball game is over. Kyle Schwarber did not swing. He said he did not swing. Kyle is livid right now. He wants to go down and talk it over with Gabe Morales, the third base umpire, but the ball game is over. Schwarber ruled to have swung on a breaking ball in the dirt. The ball game is over. Joe Madden is out arguing with Gabe Morales. The Angels have beaten the Cubs by a score of six to five. That's the way it sounded as it ended right here on 670, the score yesterday. As the Cubs lose 6-5, Kyle Schwarber angry. Kyle Hendricks, uh, according to Joe Madden, uh, not very good yesterday for five innings. And then the bullpen came in and walked seven people. Is that bad? Is that a recipe for problems when the bullpen walks seven? I think that's yes. Rad Brock, Randy Rosario, Brandon Kinsler. You get a walk and you get a walk. You get a walk. Kyle Ryan gave out a couple of them in the ninth, even if they did not matter. So the Cubs lose, and then it's postponed today. There is no game today. But I have learned something official that we need to discuss, and that is this, that, um, that my wife, my wife has found a secondary market market inefficiency. So do you even have to say the word market twice if that's the case? For those who don't know what I'm talking about, a market inefficiency is, you know, from the Moneyball book um, was, hey, we should value on base percentage. That's how archaic Moneyball seems right now. On base percentage. Yeah, that seems important. And then another market inefficiency was perhaps when teams realized, like the Red Sox when Theo was there, we could pay over slot. You could draft somebody and then pay them more than their draft slot represented, and that way you're going to get them. You're going to be able to sign them, whereas a lot of guys would end up deciding to go play college ball for a little while. They're not coming out just yet. No, no, no. They would pay, and then you get guys. That's a market inefficiency. Spending more when you had more money in the, uh, in the international market was a market inefficiency. A lot of those things have gone away. Well, is this have do more people do this than I know? I don't I don't understand. But here's what was done last night. Today's game had not been canceled yet. It is my anniversary today. My wife said, you want to go to the game? Honey, it's going to be very, very cold. I don't care. We'll be we'll be we'll be warm. It'll be fun and weird. Or maybe it'll be canceled. We get to use those tickets another time. Huh? What? Hadn't thought about it. Went on the old seat geekaroo, $80 for first row behind the dugout. $80 a pop. Bottom. So with fees and everything, is 200 beans. Game has been canceled. Just got the official word. Yeah, oh yeah. We get to use those tickets for the makeup game. Now, I don't know when the makeup game is. It could be a day in August when the Angels are relatively close to Chicago. And, uh, and, and the Cubs have an off day. That's apparently what was discussed yesterday at the ballpark. 
I liked Deshay's idea, which echoed that of a caller to do the makeup game in early September when the Angels are here to play the White Sox and the Cubs are in Milwaukee. You could play a 9 a.m. game at Wrigley and then take a bus and an L to your, your, your official destinations. But either way, we now have first row seats behind the dugout for the makeup game. Is this, is this something that people do all the time that I am unaware of? Now I'm aware of it. Of course, it's dangerous, isn't it? We almost had to sit out there in the snow if they tried to play. It would have sat out there in the snow. Or the makeup game, the makeup date could come at a time when we can't go and it's not convenient. If I have indeed just given away a secondary market marketed efficiency, then um, just pretend you didn't hear it and don't use it. Okay, we'll keep that low. We'll keep that between us. Here's a texture. Uh, no, that's been my secret idea for a while. <laughs> All right, well, good for you. It is 670, the score. The uh, White Sox lost the first game, uh, or lost in the first game after the Eloy Jimenez home runs. They won on Friday, then they lose yesterday by the score of 4 to nothing. CC Sabathia with five shutout innings. Yvonne Nova was real good and then got pulled in the bullpen is the one that gave it up against the Yankees who are ravaged with injuries, but still loaded with players loaded with guys who can kill you. Aaron judge with a little flick of the wrist, opposite field home run. It's amazing how easily and quickly that comes out. All right. So I've been thinking about how to do this and decided that here on hit and run, we're going to do it this way. It's we are family. And we are family. For those who don't remember, we are family, a hell of a song by Sister Sledge and the theme song of the 1979 Pittsburgh Pirates. I loved the 79 Pirates with Kent Tacolvi and Willie Stargell and Dave Parker and Tim Foley and Manny Sanguian and Burt Blylevin and John Candelaria. How deep can you go on your 79 Pirates? I just, I just went pretty deep. Did I forget anybody? Shep grabbing a mic. <laughs> That's the danger. You talk baseball, and Shep's near a mic. He's bound Rick to grab Roden. It. Rick Roden, thank you very much. There he is. Hell of a golfer, too. Nice Masters tie-in by you. So the 79 Pirates and we are family. And we all have uh, families. Last I checked, we all have families. And baseball can enrich and enhance the family life and vice versa, right? So we are family, as we'll play the song. We are family will just be me talking about some aspect of the baseball family in my life and then wondering if it correlates to yours. Could be my kid who doesn't give a crap about baseball or my dad who's the archetypal Red Sox fan who taught me everything I know or my brother who was the uh, whose high school team I was the bat boy for or my nephew who's in Syracuse and he's going to be a broadcaster. Could be my stepdaughter who's a hell of a softball player. But we'll go back one year ago today. Instead, two balls and two strikes on Baez. The pitch. Javier lines one base hit. Left center field. It's going to go all the way to the wall. Zobrist is going to score the tying run. Baez around second, holding with a double. The game is tied 10 to 10. Can you believe it? Freeman slowly comes set and delivers. Ball four. It forces in a run, and the Cubs lead 11 to 10. One of the most amazing comebacks you will ever see. Schwarber gets the bases loaded. Walk. Cubs lead 11 to 10. Two down ninth inning. 
A line drive toward right coming in. Ball game over. Ben Zobris makes the catch. A remarkable come from behind win by the Chicago Cubs. They trailed 9 to 1 huh. and 10 to 2 and came from behind to win it 14 to 10. Wow. I don't remember that because I left. It's a year ago today. Happy anniversary to uh, to my wife and I. And we were at that game, and I wrote about it at 670thescore.com and just uh, tweeted it out a little while ago, Facebooked it. And here's the thing. It was 10 to 2, or sorry, 10 to 3 in the top of the seventh inning. It's our wedding day, and we ended up going and having a suite at Wrigley with a whole, you know, all our guests, and we're watching the games. Beautiful day. She's in a wedding dress looking absurdly beautiful for, for Wrigley. Better than anybody should look at Wrigley, frankly. Um, and the... Braves are leading 10 to 3. There's about 18 people left in the suite at that time. We were out of hot dogs. Um, had the little guy, Ruben, had the daughters, had the mother-in-law, had a big group, lots of presents. To We left. We left. Down 10-3, seventh inning, in a suite. We left, and I missed the entire rally. Now, would I have liked to have been there? Yes. Yeah, the answer is yes. But here's the thing. I did it for the right reasons. It's your wedding day. You have to leave. Sometimes life intercedes is my point. And you have to leave. The family being happy and having their needs met was more important. I do not have any regrets. Now, the next day... We ended up watching the game using MLB TV while sitting in our little hotel, our little hotel room, watching the game. We watched the whole rally while having mimosas and breakfast the next day, which was a very nice day to do it. But we left, and that is easily the best thing that has ever happened at a baseball game that I left. And I'm wondering what is the best game you ever left, or the thing you missed at a baseball game because you had to leave early. To keep your family happy or do something right. As always, when we do We Are Family, I'm sure there's going to be a corollary that that connects to you. You left that game, and then what happened? I want to know. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. 67011 is how you text. Tell me the best baseball thing that you missed because you left early. It's okay. It's all right. We're not going to judge you any more than you're judging me. For having left. It happens. And no, Eli, yesterday doesn't count. Just because you, you were there yesterday and you left a little early and, and you missed a decent little comeback. You know, that, that doesn't count. Nick Shepkowski and I were once watching a White Sox game and John Danks was pitching. He had a perfect game through five. And I left. Shep judged me a lot. I did because, you know, your thought to me was, well, I saw a perfect game with Mark Burley not 24 months ago. Why would I sit through this exotic heat on a Wednesday afternoon? That's exactly right. It was too hot. I'd already seen a perfect game. We were in scout seats before. Now we're only behind the Angels' dugout. All right. Lobster. Mr. Spiegel. Lobster again. Fine. Velvet ropes to watch perfect baseball. (laughs) All right. Fine. That's true. As the callers are coming in, let's see. What's the best game that they ever left? And you can text at 67011. But he didn't finish. He didn't close it out. Didn't close out the perfect game. It blew up on him. Thank you to all the We Are Family um, suggestions here. 
Omar Moreno. How could I forget Omar Moreno? How many steals did he have? A ton. Kent DeColvey, I mentioned, the ultimate submariner. Mike Easler. Mike Easler, I do think, was on that team. Thank, and Bill Madlock, of course, the former Cub. The best game you ever left. Admit it. It's okay. We've all been there. This is Josh in Hammond, Indiana on 670 The Score. Hello, Josh. How are you? How are you doing? Good. Good. How are you guys? Great, man. Uh, I left Jason Hayward's Grand Slam game in the top of the ninth oh. because my wife had a headache. Oh, no. Well, she, but, well, hold on. So that's last year, Jason Hayward, the walk-off Grand Slam. That was a tremendous moment. You yep. um, did, Was it a legitimate headache? So she says. <laughs> okay. And I was pissed. Did, driving home. Oh, man. Yeah, but did you, did you win any husband points? I think you probably you came through for her in a way that some men might not have. Josh. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I still feel it to this day, though, because I've always wanted to see a walk-off win. Never got to. <laughs> oh, my God. Appreciate you. Thank you, Josh. You missed that. No, there's no way this call is true right here. Well, let me read a couple texts first. Here's one. I left the game when Sammy Sosa broke Roger Maris's home run record. I saw the tying home run, but I missed the 61st. Well, there was the 62nd. I had just switched schools. I had to go to new school orientation for third grade. There's a kid. There's a kid at the time. That's, you know, you're in third grade. It's not entirely, entirely your own point. This, um, you're under control. Bill Bigsby in Crown Point says he left the White Sox game last year before Yolmer Sanchez provided the self-Gatorade shower. Devastating. <laughs> you know what? That was one of the highlights of the White Sox season last year, so I understand. This is Steve in Lincolnwood on 670. The score is Steve. Tell me the best game you ever, ever left. Okay, this is a little strange. I grew up in Rogers Park, Cub fan all my life, and the, the game the Cubs cinched won the World Series in 2016. I was not in Cleveland. I was up fishing in northwestern Ontario for muskies. I'd been up there for three weeks all alone. Uh-huh. And I, uh, I was the only one there on the lake. And uh, for the first six games, I listened on the radio. But for the seventh game, I, the guy I rented the cabin from had a satellite. And I asked him if he could get the Cubs game and, uh, uh, on the satellite, and he did. So I watched the game, but I had been out on the lake. It was freezing all day. And when the rain delay came... I looked at the radar, and it looked like it would be an hour, hour and a half delay. So I went back to my cabin. Oh. I to take a little nap, and I, then I'll wake up and, and listen to the, the rest of the game on the radio. I woke up. I missed it. Oh, my God, Steve. How dare you? How dare you? How dare you even admit such a thing? Usually I'm a fan of the truth and people being bold enough to be honest about their indiscretions. But you, sir... Have your baseball fan card stricken from the record for all of eternity. Is that a little harsh? Yeah, maybe. I think we got to keep him to just texting from now on. No more calls. <laughs> this, this texture. I was seeing a girl in New Jersey who's not into baseball. We took the train to see a Yankees game. Left the game tied in the seventh. In the bottom of the ninth, Brett Gardner hits a walk-off home run. As long as you're still, you're still, mm, you're still together. You're going to be okay. Speaks. Do you remember who sang the seventh inning stretch for the fourteen to ten comeback game one year ago today? I do. It was Matt Nagy. It was Bears head coach Matt Nagy. So good for him.
670, the score is where you are. It is hit and run. We'll do this, uh, we'll do this every once in a while, probably every week. We'll do We Are Family, a touch of, uh, of familial baseball history from my life and how it connects to you, and we'll get you involved every single week on the score. I love talking baseball with Scott Miller from Bleacher Report. We will come back and do that when we come back. He also wrote a book with Bob Tewksbury, which I had forgotten about, and Jim Deshays reminded us of. We'll touch on that as well. It's hit and run on 670, the score. Tatis launches that one to deep left center field. Marte Peralta looking gone. A home run for Fernando Tatis Jr. His second against Kelly. And a two-run shot doubles the lead. Four to nothing here in the third. Fernando Tatis Jr., with the home run right there. It's okay. It's all right, White Sox fans. You needed James Shields. It's okay. That's not even fair to say, though, and I'll tell you why. Because that's the moment that Rick Hahn looks back on when he's angrily saying, we're mired in mediocrity in the dugout later on that year. I think it was later on that year. He's regretting that that trade even happened. So they would not have changed gears. They would not have changed lanes or shifted gears, however you want to say it, if that trade had not happened. Perhaps some small solace for the White Sox as you watch Fernando Tatis Jr. Bloom out there in San Diego. Let's talk to a guy we love talking baseball with. He is Scott Miller, who writes MLB for Bleacher Report and also for Fox Sports San Diego and is a serious XM MLB analyst as well. Scott, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Nice to be with you. Thanks for thanks for being with us. So, so how does Tatis Jr. look um, overall as you've gotten a chance to to see him and, and cover him a bit? Uh, you want me to sugarcoat it for your White Sox fans, or you want me to give it to you straight? <laughs> give it. You know, man, it's 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 been a rough go. Other than watching Moncada break out a little bit and Tim Anderson hit well and and Eloy with the two homers, overall it's been a rough go. They can take it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Tatis Jr. is, uh, you know, he's rocketed up the charts in the last year, of course, to you know, all the, the people that do the minor league rankings, you know, to the point where over this winter, a couple people had him number one over Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And, you know, you can certainly see why, and that's no knock against Vladdy Jr. You know, who knows whenever the Jays decide to call him up, I'm sure we'll see some special things from him. But, you know, Tatis Jr., I mean, offensively and defensively both, he, you know, he's the five tool player he can run his arm is terrific um you know i'm sure he'll run into some you know there'll be some uh, you know early career adjustments he'll have to make as pitchers uh figure out where his holes are but so far um you know, offensively he's hit a few big home runs uh defensively you know he's uh the, the padres might have i i can't imagine a better tighter more fun infield to watch defensively. I mean, you know, Machado is incredible at third base. Fernando Tatis Jr. is really, really good at shortstop. He goes uh, back and makes he makes those plays on balls in the hole between short and third like Jeter used to. You know, the backhanded play, deep, deep uh, edge of the outfield grass, come up jumping and wheeling and throwing to first base. Uh, you know, terrific arm. Uh, you know, you got him and Machado at third, and Eric Hosmer is a gold glover at first, and, you know, Ian Kinsler is bad at second. He was a gold glover last year. Uh, not much gets through, and, and Tatis has been, 
you know, he, he's he's been a lot of fun to watch. So what is there to be learned, you think, overall um, from what the Padres have done here in saying, you know what, screw the service time, let's roll. We might be good enough. Let's give our guys a chance. And I know some veterans were the ones that went to A.J. Preller, right, and said, hey, let's let's yep. go, let's go ahead and do this. So is there something to be learned from it if you dovetail it with all the extensions that a lot of the young players are signing well before their free agency? I think the biggest thing to be learned is just you have to keep an open mind and you can't, you know, it, it's, it's, it's bad business. I practice, I believe, to not ever deviate from what you think the business handbook of baseball says you should do. Um, you know, there, there may, maybe, you know, not every situation is like the one in San Diego. I mean, I'm sure, you know, there are any number of rookies um, that, that maybe aren't ready for for the prime time, you know, no matter how big of a spring they have. And maybe, you know, maybe shouldn't necessarily break the camp with the team. But in this case, you know, the, the, as you said, the, you know, a couple of veterans like Hosmer Machado talked to the general manager and said, you know, we love this kid. We, we need him. And the Padres listened. And I think a couple things. One, um, you know, he just turned 20 in early January, so he's still just a baby. But in terms of the Padres making the decision to keep him rather than, you know, even do like what the Cubs did with Chris Bryant a few years ago, um, where, where the one is he, his development also was sped up last winter in the Dominican Winter League. You know, when he played for his father, Fernando Teti Sr. was the manager, and their small hometown team in the Dominican. Um, they won the championship, and they broke a 51-year curse, or whatever you want to call it. Um, it was a big deal, and Tatis Jr. told me this spring that because it was their hometown, because his father was manager, you know, every game in the playoffs felt like the World Series. So he locked in, and and that helped his development. I think at the you know identifying the strike zone, for example, making sure to not go outside of the strike zone at the plate, swinging at pitches. He was so locked in at bat after at bat. So I think, you know, that makes him a little different than maybe some other top prospect that people debate in the spring, should he break camp with the team or not. I think last winter really helped exacerbate things for Tatis. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, secondly, if you send – this has kind of gotten lost in the mix, and I would doubt we're going to see Tatis Jr. sent to the minors, but, uh, you know, I mean, barring some kind of crazy slump. But that whole service time thing, my understanding, and I've checked with some people on this, um, the Padres could still pull that on him. In other words, he opened the season with the team, and say we get to May or June, and he was really floundering. Well, they if they sent him back to the minor leagues, which obviously now it looks like they won't, but if they sent him down for however, you know, three weeks or a month, that would still extend um, their control over him. In other words, you don't have to open the season in the minors, you know, for the first three weeks of the season. If you get sent down later in your rookie year, that, that serves the same purpose from a business standpoint. This hour of the score is brought to you by Team Hochberg. Visit their new website, 56david.com. That's 56david.com. And the bottom of the hour, 
uh, was brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. Chicago Wolves have clinched their third straight division title. Be there today at four for the last regular season home game. First thousand kids receive free admission to Raging Waves Water Park. For tickets or playoff info, visit ChicagoWolves.com. Scott, do you have any idea why the Red Sox gave Chris Sale so much money when his velocity was decaying last year and was also decaying in spring training? And now here we are in the season and it's looking bad now. Do we know why they gave him that money? Yeah, I mean, other than they maybe just thought they that that you know it wasn't as big of a problem as it looks like it might be. Hmm. Um, you know, I mean, part of it's reward, right? You win yeah. a World Series, uh, you fall in love with your guys that want to help you win a World Series. You know, just like you know, I mean, I thought Nathan Evaldi earned that contract, free agent contract they got he got from the Red Sox. You know, with his work in that seventeen inning World Series game. I mean, talk about you know guts and and selflessness, um, mm-hmm. you know, here Evaldi was going to be a free agent. and You know, he easily could have told Alex Cora, look, I'm only pitching a couple innings. You know, I, I, I'm, there's no way I'm going to risk my career, especially, you know, here's a guy that had arm issues in the past. He was going to be a free agent. Um, and what he did, you know, I, I thought uh, good for the Red Sox giving Evaldi that contract. And, you know, it might be apples and oranges of Evaldi and sale, but, but again, you know, you win a World Series, you know, the motion's running high. And, you know, the Red Sox won last year, you know, large part with pitching. I mean, Sale, Rick Porcello, David Price, these, you know, Dombrowski's teams in the past, by the way, Dave Dombrowski, the president of baseball operations for the Red Sox, you know, he came to Boston from Detroit where he had, you know, his rotation, uh, you know, Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, uh, David Price. So, I mean, Dombrowski is one of those old-time, old-school baseball guys that believes the opposite of what you know. Some you're, we're starting to see now. He believes rotation is where it starts. You win with pitching. Mm-hmm. You need stud workhorses in the rotation, and um, you know we'll see what happens in the future. But he may have swung and missed on the sale extension. He is Scott Miller from Bleacher Report. Scott, um, I know you're co-author of a book with Bob Tewksbury, who I'm looking forward to getting to know now that he's here in Chicago Mm -hmm. working with the Cubs. And uh, boy, the mental skills department seems to have their hands full with you, Darvish. Uh, I'm wondering... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. I mean, like the 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 non-judgmental way to say it, or I should say the the um, the amenable way to say it is not to call him weak or not to call him soft or anything like that, but sensitive. It is undeniably fair, in my opinion, to call him a sensitive guy who thinks about a lot of stuff and can be overwhelmed, can be bothered by some things. So has that been known around baseball for for a long, long time? To a degree. I mean, you know, his best years obviously were in Texas. Um, He was, you know, especially once he moved a little past the stage where he, you know, all pitchers, you know, elite pitchers like Darvish and Chris Sale and whoever else, there's this window in their career where they can just get by on stuff, right? The stuff is so good. Doesn't matter. You know, just throw your fastball, spot your pitches, whatever your secondary stuff is, you're going to dominate. But that window, I think, is, you know, the the average fan, I think, would find it surprising that that window is 
short where you just get by on stuff and nothing else, Mm -hmm. you know, and then comes, it starts to erode a little bit and your stuff is still maybe really good, but you need to rely on some other things too, you know, like, you know, good game plans, uh, smart approaches. Um, you know, you have to be creative. Maybe your fastball is not quite as good on Tuesday. So you got to rely more on your secondary stuff. And the next outing, maybe the secondary stuff isn't quite as good. You got to go back to your fastball. In other words, it's the old thinking man's game, and that's where the mental toughness comes in. Yeah, And I think Darvish in Texas, there was a period where he could rely on that stuff, but that's long gone. And you're right, sensitive is probably a very polite and nice way to put it. Um, you know, toward the end of his Texas run and his time in Los Angeles, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was not necessarily a secret that this is a high-maintenance guy, that, that you need a lot of different uh, – uh, you know, there's a lot of different aspects to him. And, you know, I, I thought, you know, boy, when the Cubs gave him six years, I, you know, that to me it was a case of, okay, maybe the analytics side of things says this, but the human relations part of that six-year deal, uh, I'm not sure that as much thought went into that as into the other, because I, I thought that six year deal from the beginning could be trouble. You know what I think it is, and Scott? I, I think what's that? They, they have, they have an arrogance um, and it's been justified a lot of times through the years about what they can do in terms of game planning, what they can do yep. in terms of figuring out. I mean, they fixed Jake Arrieta. They fixed Pedro Strope. They have, they fixed and then swapped guys like Paul Mahalam when they were like doing sign and flips there for a while. Mm-hmm. They, they, you know, they've, they've helped Kyle Hendricks develop into what he has been. And I think they believed, like you're saying, they could have Darvish rely on more of his pitches and, you know, really do it with sequence and game planning. They thought that they could get to him in that way. And, and I don't think it's happened yet. No. And the, in the key word, I think I, I agree with everything you said. The key word is the last word you said yet six years. Yeah. There's the rest of this year and then four more to go. The question is going to become, is the word yet going to become, come into play or is Darvish just going to be a guy that is not fixable in that regard? I mean, you're right. There's, a lot of sensitivity. There's a lot of self-doubt. I go back to, you know, I was in uh, Texas's camp the spring he signed, and I was there right as pitchers and catchers reported. I was there Darvish's very first days in the Texas camp. You know, I did a big feature on him. His uh, his parents were there, and I remember talking to his mom clearly, and and she expressed concern about all the pressure that was on Darvish. And at the time I thought, well, you know, that's sweet. And that's a normal mother's reaction. You know, I mean, you know, most moms are going to be like, Oh, geez, you know, the, you know, my son signs a huge contract and everybody looks like he's a savior coming into to, for the Texas Rangers. And boy, you know, you, the, the mom typically worries right about, about, you know, all the pressure on her son and at the time, I just kind of thought that, that, well, it's a typical mom. But I go back to that day periodically when I'm thinking about Darvish or maybe writing about Darvish and, and thinking, here's a guy that had already established himself as one of the best, probably the best pitcher at the time in Japan. Yeah. Um, then he comes over here. Again, cultural change. It's going to be natural for a mother to worry, but 
with all he had already accomplished, I think back to that day sometimes, I think, you know, maybe uh, that might have been more than a mother's, hmm. you know, typical worry. It might have been a mother who knows how fragile her son is. Yeah, interesting. Um, Scott, great stuff. Fun to talk to you. And last thing for you. Um, I know you've seen a lot of it, and I hope our listeners have seen Ramon Laureano make throws from center field for the Oakland A's. It is as good of an outfield arm as I can remember, and I find myself thinking about some of the the guys I loved. Um, I'll give you. I'll give you two. I'll give you Dwight Evans and Jesse Barfield. Give me a couple outfield arms that are even up there with what Ramon Ramon Laureano has, because his accuracy is what's outrageous to me as well. That's the thing. Yeah, I mean, I would go. You know, I, I the two you mentioned are really good names. You know, I throw Dave Parker into the mix, the Cobra mm-hmm. from back in his Pittsburgh Pirates days. Um, you know, the guy that we haven't seen it as much lately, but when he first came to the Dodgers in 2013, Yasiel Puig had an arm like that, although it was never as accurate as, as Loriano's. You know, Puig, um, that arm was like a, a – you know, it was like the baseball coming from a rocket into third base from right field with Puig. But, um, again, Puig was more wild. The strength was there. The impressive arm was there. But it sometimes it was accurate, and it would make you go, wow. Yeah. Other times, you know, he'd miss cutoff man because he loved to throw so much. But, you know, Parker would be one. But you're right, Loriano. anybody listening, if you haven't seen much of the Oakland A's, you know, dial him up. Some of his throws are on the internet or watch the A's play. Uh, however you do it, it, this guy is unbelievable. Yes, he is. Thank you, Scott. Pleasure. We'll talk to you soon. Likewise. Thank you. All right, you got it. It's Scott Miller from Bleacher Report and Sirius XM and Fox Sports uh, San Diego as well. Loriano has, I, I believe the number is 15 assists since he came up middle of last year. And no other outfielder in baseball has more than six. He's got 15 Stop running on him. It, it, it is unbelievable. But he's right about the A's in general. Go watch Matt Chapman play third base. You're going to see a great play. Watch Loriano play. It's like, the God bless you, quick pitch. That's why I DVR you every single night and watch you every single morning. How close do you think Chapman is to Arenado defensively at he, that position? He, he's, he's, you, you know what's funny about that question, right? High school teammates. Chapman and Arenado. Those two guys. So I don't know where they played in high school, but no, yeah, he's 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 real close. Um, they're either high school teammates or American Legion teammates, something like that. But yeah, Chapman Chapman is right there and does not get enough credit because it's Oakland and nobody talks about Oakland or cares about Oakland. Andre Dawson, Vladimir Guerrero, Raul Mondesi, these are guys. Dave Winfield, these are all guys that come up. But in terms of a center fielder, it's rare for somebody to have as great an arm as Ramon Laureano. Lots of great texts on the We Are Family topic we had earlier. We will uh, read some of those and get you set for today in baseball when we come back on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. Love the fight. Love how we came back. Um, You know, we had a fight. We just locked too many guys uh, from the pitching perspective. Uh, Had opportunity late. Really, really happy about that. We we definitely uh, were uh, mentally involved for nine innings, and I love that part of it. Um, You know, Kyle was not that good today in the bullpen in general. just walk too many guys. We just walk too many folks, and that put too many guys up to the plate for them. Uh, but the battle was good. It's Joe Madden talking about Kyle Hendricks yesterday. Not very good. Guess Kyle can take that. 
I know John Lester wouldn't be happy. This uh, this part of the show is brought to you by the BMW Championship at Medina Country Club, August 13th through August 18th, 2019. Visit BMWChampionship.com. And whenever we are talking about the Masters or covering the Masters, it's brought to you by that same BMW Championship, August 13th through the 18th of 2019. Also, the bottom of the hour was brought to you by International Champions Cup. Get ready for soccer's first tournament of the year on July 16th. Catch the International Champions Cup as Roma, AS Roma, battles Chivas de Guadalajara right in their own backyard at SeatGeek Stadium. Get tickets at SeatGeek.com today. Uh, We were talking earlier in the hour on We Are Family about the best game you ever left, the best rally you ever missed, the best baseball thing you bailed and were not there for. As a year ago today was that Atlanta game with the great comeback, and I got married. So happy anniversary, me and you, honey. This text had to leave the overtime game on Mother's Day when Javi Baez hit a homer to win the game with the pink bats. Heard the crowd cheering while standing on the L platform. It's the El Mago platform. Ah. My daughter and I left because her girlfriend was having a hissy fit. We'd been gone too long. (laughs) I'm sorry, sir. That sounds bad. This one, uh, I was at the game where Theo brought up some bum from AAA to start. That'd be Brian Mattis on a Sunday night. Because of his contract, said bum, Brian Mattis, gave up two homers and three innings, two run homers, three innings in a row before getting pulled. My dad wasn't feeling good, so we left. Cubs came back to win. Theo apologized after the game. That's that Sunday night game against Seattle that ends on a perfect Squeeze bunt from John Lester that scores Jason Hayward headfirst from third base. Sorry you missed that one, sir. Uh, We left a game in the 70s. Hank Aaron hit home run 702. I cried all the way home because I missed it. I'm from New York, May 31st, 1964. Mets versus Giants. Second game of a doubleheader. Game went 21 innings. In the 14th, the Giants had men on base. I thought they'd get a bunch of runs. I decided to go to the bathroom. I missed Orlando Cepeda hitting into a triple play. I've been to a couple thousand games since, and I've never seen a triple play. <laughs> That's a little off the theme, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. And this text, my girlfriend and I were at the same comeback game a year ago, Spiegel, only we were outside and freezing in the wind. Even brought the $50 blanket, bought the $50 blanket, still left because I was too cold. She hasn't let me forget it since. Thanks for bringing that up again. <laughs> you're, you're very welcome, sir. You're very welcome. All right, later on today, the Cubs are off. The White Sox will be at Yankee Stadium, and they begin just after the top of the hour. Carlos Rodon looking to recover from a a mediocre start. He didn't throw many change-ups his last time out. Needs to get that back in the mix. Rodon versus Tanaka. Some other good matchups today. Astros and and the Blue Jays. Marcus Stroman, who's really fun to watch. Uh, Even though he has no wins, he's been pitching well against Charlie Morton of the Rays. Jamison Tyon of the Pirates against Max Scherzer of the Nationals today. You probably would have bet the under. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you who's great is Jose Barrios of the Twins. He goes against Jordan Zimmerman and the Tigers today. Corey Kluber pitches for the Indians today. Zach Greinke going for the D-backs. Garrett Cole uh, going for the Astros today. Um, and uh, there was one other. Oh, yeah, Jacob deGrom. Looks to come back after his worst start since, what, two years? The last two years, Jacob DeGrom will come back out. On the week, the Cubs, after today's snow out, will go to Miami. 
They've got three against the Marlins this week, then come home for a homestand, the Diamondbacks next weekend, and then the Dodgers about 10 days from now. It'll be Cubs-Dodgers at Wrigley. The White Sox, meanwhile, come home. And Monday, tomorrow, is Jackie Robinson Day over at Guaranteed Rate Field and all around baseball. Everybody wearing 42 and some nice... uh, Nice festivities to commemorate Jackie Robinson, as happens every year. So that's the Royals in town for the next three days, and then the White Sox go on the road to Detroit. Thank you to our guest today. Jim Deshays was our guest co-host. Chris Kamka from NBC Sportsnet did Cam Connections like he always did. And Scott Miller was a pleasure from Bleacher Report. Eli Hershkovich, great job, sir. Thank you so much. I will see you next week. And looking forward to that, Mark Grody and Nick Shepkowski are up next. As there is no Cubs baseball, just Grody and Shep. Have a great day, everybody. Baseball is life. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.